Welcome to Season 2, Episode 27 of Grace or Grit. This is a podcast intended to address difficult, controversial, and debatable issues related to the Bible and the church. I'm your host, Dave Talley. I serve as the pastor at Grace Baptist Church in Herlock, Maryland. My co-host, Patrick Reed, is still trying to work on the logistics of trying to podcast from Africa. So we're hoping to have him on the next episode, but I can't promise anything, but he's not going to be with us today. Joining me today, though, is Mandy Nash. Her and her husband, Russ, are members here at Grace Baptist Church, and uh, Russ was on our most recent episode And it was a pleasure to have him, and it's a pleasure to have his wife, Mandy, on today. So, Mandy, welcome to Grace or Grit. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing great. We survived the uh, Hurricane Ida that came through yesterday. Was everything okay over at your house? You didn't lose any limbs or anything? Uh, A few limbs, but nothing compared to what I've seen elsewhere. So, we're good. (laughs) Yes. I grew up, of course, in North Alabama, where tornadoes were quite frequent. Um, People get tired of hearing my stories from my childhood, I'm sure. But I had a neighbor, um, his last name was Miller, and he was a mechanic. And his house, no lie, uh, got hit by a tornado, blew away to the foundation. Everybody was fine, but I mean, it was gone. He rebuilt, and the next year, it blew away to the foundation again. Uh, And so he built somewhere else the next time. But, uh, say I'll blame him. <laughs> so, we're we're um, we're glad that the tornadoes didn't do any uh, any real huge damage around here yesterday in her luck. So, did you get to listen to last week's episode? I hate to put you on the spot, but uh, did you get to listen to to your husband? Yes, I did. I did. <laughs> All right. Do you got any fact checking? You know, any corrections that you need to take care of? <laughs> no, no, he did very well. <laughs> very proud of him. I'm sure he'll listen to this and he'll he'll be quite relieved that he didn't <laughs> he didn't speak out of turn or anything. Uh, I was actually thinking when I put that question down, I was thinking about his description of the family because you know if you were if you were the host and you were asking me about my family, you know how old are my children and things like that, I'd be like, oh, I have no idea. Let me do the math. So. <laughs> Well, Mandy, why don't you take some time and take your time uh, and just give us your testimony of your faith in Christ. How did you come to know the Lord as your Savior? Okay. Um, Well, I grew up in Graysonville, I guess probably about a half hour or so from here. And all my family lived close right there in town or maybe on Kent Island. Um, I went to church, um, not regularly, but when I did go, it was a Methodist church, either in Graysonville or on Kent Island. My grandparents, my dad's parents, lived on Kent Island and also had a very close friend. So if I wasn't staying the night with one or the other, <laughs> um, it was kind of odd. And I would go to church with them. My friend, she went through church many years, you know, went through confirmation and such. But even in all those years, I never really heard of salvation growing up. My sister, when she was in high school, salvation was shared with her and she came to know Christ in her teens. 
However, when she, she came home with that information and she shared um, about it, my parents who had never really heard of it were kind of lost and confused and actually didn't allow her to see those friends outside of school anymore because they felt it was kind of cultish, <laughs> for lack of a better term. They didn't understand it. But anyhow, go back. Growing up, um, things were, we had a close family. Things were normal, I suppose, every typical family. Um, I did endure some trials at a young age. I would guess between the ages of, say, five and eight, somewhere in there, I was molested as a young girl by an older family member. And I never shared of it, never spoke of it. I kept it to myself and just did what I could to avoid him when we had to be in the same events. So as an early teen, every teen, they have their struggles trying to fit in at times and things of that nature. Um, At about 14, I began dating someone who was much older. I'll say much older. He was legal age. He was 18, almost 19. And um, he had in his mind (laughs) what he wanted and um, obtained that through a bit of coercion. So again, a young age, that wasn't a good thing to go through. But then my first husband I met when I was about 16, we dated in high school. Um, Not long after I graduated, we married. I struggled to conceive, went through fertility treatments and such. I wasn't a Christian, of course. I didn't understand anything about that, really. So that marriage was not pleasant. I did finally conceive a child and through fertility treatments. And after that, problems grew. Um, Dylan was, was very unhealthy as a little boy. He had a lot of issues with pneumonia. Um, asthma. And the first several months of his life, he spent in the hospital. We stayed there 24 seven. I stayed there with him 24 seven, the whole, you know, he was born September 1st and he came home from university of Maryland on December 5th. So during that time, there were some things that I learned of when I got home that had occurred. Um, as far as, for example, uh, bills, when it come to adult rentals, (laughs) things of that nature. So I knew there was a problem there and I did what I could to please, um, to keep my marriage together. In my mind, there was no, I said, I do. And I was, that's how it's going to stay. But there was a lot of emotional, mental and sexual abuse that went on there too. So um, it came to an end when my best friend, or so I thought at the time, was carrying his child at that point. I, I was done. I couldn't take no more. I started working full time and going to college full time and taking care of Dylan. And to be honest, I, I crashed my, I couldn't handle it. I didn't carry it to the hospital from my work one day. And I thought I was having a heart attack, but it was actually anxiety. It was panic attack. Um, I went through therapy on medications. It was, it was ugly, real ugly. Then one day I happened to notice that Dylan was sitting there playing 
and he was standing there alone where normally I would be involved. Um, I'm very affectionate, very, you know, compassionate. And I was just turned off. There was no emotion in me, but I recognized it. And I thought, Oh, this, this can't be, I got to change this. I got to fix this. This isn't fair to Dylan. I went to my doctor to be weaned off the medications and they refused. So I took it upon myself and slowly I started coming off the medications that had turned me cold, (laughs) the way to describe it. And I went through a year, at least maybe more of chaos, total, total misery. Um, I was living through anxiety attacks where I would be physically ill felt as though I was going to have a heart attack, you know? Um, And I just dealt with it. I just fought it. And over time, eventually I got off those medications. It wasn't easy. I'll be honest. If it hadn't been for Dylan, I'm not certain I'd be here. I felt like if he didn't have me, where would he be? And how would he deal with losing his mother and all those thoughts, you know? So he's the reason that I kept pushing on. So um, wasn't long after the split between Dylan's father and I that I met someone online and we had become friends and he knew my situation. He had known it for some time and he just said that he wanted to help. Um, I was about to be evicted. My rent was way behind. Um, I didn't want to go to my family, didn't want to go to my parents. I knew, um, even though I was close to my parents and I love my parents dearly, I didn't feel like moving back home would work. And down the road, that proved to be true when I had no choice. But in the meantime, um, this fellow said that no strings attached. He would um, help me with my rent. And so... Eventually I caved and I met him at a local fast food restaurant. And this was attached. He bought Dylan and I lunch and said, here. Um, but <laughs> that proved untrue to the point where I became very dependent on this man. He had me, I the word would be kind of locked in, I suppose because I didn't know how I would manage to to do anything for Dylan if I didn't have him. Looking back now, I know better. That was the weaker choice, to be honest. But the emotional ways that things occurred, it definitely had me locked in there for a while. Then I learned um, that not only was he married, he was also a pastor. (laughs) So... Those things in mind, the fact that the relationship um, took a turn. I mean, not only was I financially dependent, but then I guess because he was helping, he felt he deserved more. And you can imagine where that goes. Um, Not something I'm at all proud of, but um, we all fall. And, you know, there's not a day goes by that I don't think about 
the fact that, you know, it's a small, small area and I could run into his family. They could know me. They could come across me. And the only thing I can say is I'm sorry. Yeah. That was a different person back then. Now, um, after the situation, um, my mother passed away. My parents, who had moved up into the Linkwood area at that point in time, so my mother had one, one story, one floor she could live on without having to worry about stairs and stuff to get around. My dad and my brother, they had asked me to move in with them, Dylan and I. And although hesitant, I did. Um, I think it was the best thing. It got me away from that gentleman that I was dealing with. It helped my father, I think, and my brother. It helped us all, I guess, to become somewhat close at that point. Not long after that, um, I guess but during that time, I was dating. I was seeing other people. If I back up, because of the past that I dealt with, I think subconsciously I had grown to, to think that sex was love. Yeah. Um, that that's what I, you know, perhaps that's what I was good for. I don't know. I don't know. I can't explain, but every relationship I got into was the same. It was use and move on. And every time it happened, I just fell lower and lower and lower into this pit. And finally, I got to the point where even though I wasn't saved, and I didn't, quote, know God at that point in time, I just went to my knees in tears and said, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of feeling this way. I'm tired of not being loved for me, for who I am. And if I'm supposed to grow old and lonely, so be it. I can't, it's up to you. And so like when Russ shared in his story, it was almost verbatim what I had done, you know, just months earlier. So I would guess almost on the same timeline, because it wasn't long after that, that I met Russ. Hmm. And to be honest, I was so <laughs> shut down to the thought of a relationship that I had known throughout the summer and hadn't entertained the thought at all. Um, I felt, felt like he was a really nice guy, but I had known quote, nice guys. Yeah. And it turned out the same. So I was just like, but it was that fall, you know, a few months later that um, things just started to look different, started to feel different. And I knew they were, I just, I just knew they were. I can't explain that. Just the, that feeling that, okay, this is, this is right. There was a period of time when I had glaucoma passed as a young teen and I had had eye surgery and complications came from that. And I had been laid off from where I was working and I was very distressed about, um, you know, the mortgage and the car payments and so on and so forth. And Russ was, so calm, so at peace that I felt like I wanted to hit him. <laughs> I couldn't figure out why he was so calm and why I was just this disaster. And that's when he sat down and explained to me where he got, where he got his peace from. Mm. That came from God. 
and all the things that the Lord had been with him through and gotten him through and protected him and so on and so forth. I mean, I remember like it was yesterday sitting on our front yard picnic table and him telling me these stories and thinking, Lord, I thought that's what I want. That's what I want. So it was him that showed me that, you know, so I was, oh, goodness gracious. I want to try to think about the years. I was much later in life than when I asked the Christ. I was probably like late 30s, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, but that peace, there's just no describing that peace. Um, did it happen right away from me? No, I can't say it happened right away. Um, I did feel a difference, but life has thrown us many curves <laughs> over the past years. And the way I handle things now is so much different than I would have because that peace is there. So, and I just, you know, the sanctification, the growth, it comes over time. And the more you trust, the more you grow, the more you learn, the more he shows you. So I know some of these things, if my family listens, they may not, they may be upset or they may not understand. I don't know if I've shared everything with my family to this extent, but I feel like these things happened and there's God turns all things around for good. Yes. So there's, there's a reason for this. You know, me sharing this information and if it can help anyone, then it's worth it. It's yeah. worth it. Well, Mandy, thank you for that. And I'm, I'm holding your testimony that you wrote uh, sometime back that we shared with the church. And yes, there's, there's stuff you just shared that, that wasn't included in the written testimony. So it's the first time that I had heard some of, some of what you've been through. There's a couple things that come to my mind. Uh, one is that there are aspects of your story that I have heard so many times from so many people. And it's, it, it's a shock to my system, each individual story, but the cumulative effect of how many people gather to worship and they have these stories of pain and having been abused and stories of shame and failure and things they don't want to think about. They don't want to you know, admit to themselves, much less to anybody else that they did or that somebody else did to them. And uh, so God's going to use your story because it's, it's way more common than any of us would want to dare believe, at least aspects of it. That's the first thing that strikes me. And I think you'll have some open doors as a result of sharing your heart and your experience and how, how God brought you through. You know, I'm sure there were times that you look back and go, man, how, how did I survive that? How did I not just give up and quit? Um, and of course it was God's grace. And I think God will, God will use you in some other people's hearts and lives. Um, the second thing that strikes me though, that the, the title of this podcast that I, that I chose is ladies in the church. And as you spoke, I have to admit, I thought of the ladies who surrounded Christ. 
during his ministry. Because if you read the stories of the women who were constantly around him, they were women who had great weaknesses in their past, great uh, sadness, great um, disadvantages, uh, some of them great failures, but um, I'm convinced that if, and I'm not being patronizing, I'm being sincere. If you had lived in the time of Christ, it would have been, you know, Mary and Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus and Martha and Mandy, right? <laughs> You'd have been one of them right there with him because it seems that that's, that's who he, he uh, gravitated towards and who gravitated towards him. Um, those who had the greatest scars, it seems, are the ones that were closest to him. And of course, he, he said that's what he came for, right? Mm-hmm. He came to save those who were, uh, who were weak, those who were at the bottom, you know. And uh, you, you were certainly under Satan's heel for a long time. And uh, praise God for his grace that he's, he's done the things that he's done for you. And, and I like the fact that you said, you know, I didn't get the peace of God right away, you know, because I got to tell you the peace of God. I have peace with God all the time. You know, he's not mad at me because I'm his child, but the peace of God comes and goes, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I have it and sometimes I don't. Mostly it's due to my own choices, but uh, that's a different story for a different day. <laughs> what do you feel like God's doing in your life right now? What do you think he has for you? Hmm. Well, I know one thing that I have asked many, many times, and I've shared this before, where I am extremely empathetic. (laughs) Um, I feel deeply other people's pain um, and trials. I can't there's no way for me to really verbally express that, but sometimes it can even be overwhelming. Um, so as, with the number of times that I've asked that, asked God to take that from me, and he hasn't, I totally am without a doubt convinced that that is my gift. Mm-hmm. Even though at times it seemed like a curse to me. Yeah. That is a gift. Um, exactly where he wants me. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying there's, there's not a spot, you know, in the wall for me to, to, to fill, you know, um, a place for me in a group, but I think more so just in every day, you know, I talk to people, Sometimes I can look at people and just know that I need to talk to them or they just need a hug or, you know, something of that nature. Um, I've had several people come to me and say, you don't know what you did for me the other day. And I'm like, you know, so I think perhaps just having a listening ear or a shoulder to lean on, a hug, sharing tears with them. That's how God's created me. There's got to be purpose in that. Yeah. 
Well, that's powerful. And, uh, you know, as your pastor and as a friend watching you uh, for the number of years that you've been here at Grace, that's a story in of itself, how God got you here in our church. Uh, we have to get into that. But uh, I, I don't remember many people's first experience here, but I remember your first experience because it was VBS. And I remember Christine Wan saying, we had a new kid in our in our group today. His name is Isaac. Let me tell you about Isaac. <laughs> I'll never forget that day. Um, but, you know, as your pastor, um, it's not just your ministry to others, but your ministry to Russ and your ministry to Isaac. And I don't see your ministry to Dylan as much, him being an adult and such. But, um, man, the, the empathy that you have and the patience and the compassion that you have uh, is definitely God's gift to Russ and Isaac. And, uh, you know, you may take that for granted because you know it's your responsibility uh, and obligation, or at least I'm sure you feel that it's your responsibility and obligation, but it's also a gift and uh, a tremendous uh, ministry. And mm-hmm. so praise God that he's using you in, in many different ways. Uh, well, I'll say this, don't, <laughs> you say patience, sometimes my patience <laughs> isn't always there. <laughs> um, I try, I don't give up. That's, that's the thing. I never give up. There are days that are full. Um, many days are full and busy. I also have learned that I struggle with ADD. So some of my chaos is of my own, but I think that some days when uh, there's a lot going on or a lot weighing on me, sometimes if the enemy has been a bit more busy than usual, you know, I do fail. It does happen. Um, I lose my patience. And Ross and Isaac are the ones to see it usually. But the love that I have for both of them, there's just, there's no way to describe that. You know, Isaac is unique. He comes with his own Set of challenges. I should be much smaller than I am. I will say that because he's a busy fellow. <laughs> but um, I wouldn't change it. Not for anything. Not for anything. So I um, just hope I can live long enough and keep up <laughs> as he grows older. <laughs> so You may be surprised one day and you realize, um, I think he's taking care of me instead of me taking care of him. <laughs> <laughs> Might be. <laughs> Well, I want to tell you, um, I'm gearing up for a sermon series that I hope to preach in November. Uh, The title of the series is Women in the Bible. Uh, And I have a sermon in there entitled Unclean Women, because when you read the Old Testament, as a man, you know, I just read through it. You know, I don't think that much about it. But trying to see those passages through the eyes of a woman, you know, when her flowers were upon her, you know, her time each month and she was unclean. She had to be separated from the rest of the household for a certain period of time. And, you know, every now and then I'll read that now, those things. And I'll think, how must the women have felt about that back then? You know, you are unclean, get away from me. Um, and, and women in, in our culture today, you know, when we read those things, uh, man, it's, it's, it's hard for me to, to join my male because I'm a sinner chauvinistic mind uh, because I do have that, that I wrestle against this, this uh, thing that's 
bred into me both by culture and by birth, it's hard for me to sympathize and empathize with how that must feel. So anyway, I want to preach this series. I want to talk about that. Uh, and concubines is a common topic in the Bible. And and also to get to some positive stuff, uh, Deborah the judge. But I consider you to be an expert on women things. You being a, a woman, of course, <laughs> you're way more of an expert than I am. <laughs> But seriously, as you read those kinds of things in the scripture uh, about women and their role in the church and, and how God has used them and how he has seemingly pushed them to, to the side at times, um, I can't see through the, through the eyes of a woman. What, what, what goes through your heart and mind when you, for example, when you realize this entire book, all 66 books, was written by men, you know? When you realize those kinds of things, even the parts where it's a woman speaking, like um, when uh, Moses and Aaron's sister Miriam, you know, wrote that song, uh, it's still Moses's book, you know, that the song is in, is included in. So, does it does it make you feel like a second class Christian as a woman? What what goes through your mind when you when you read those things in scripture? Well, I have to admit. Um especially early on, and it still happens a little bit today, too. You read some of those things and you think, oh, you know, it doesn't make you feel the best. You know, it does make you on a human level think, oh, I'm not, you know, as worthy. Um, At the same time, I look at, you know, in the beginning, he created us to be helpmate. Okay. Some people may look at that and still think of that as being less, you know, and the human standards, but it isn't. And I don't think perhaps I wouldn't have even been able to process this if it weren't for how things are for us today, as far as my family and I, because I like, for example, you look at second Timothy two eleven. That verse to me was like, ouch, you know, Um, and it does initially create a negative feel in me, but we we aren't less. There's so many different things that we are created for in the church and in our families, you know, like we were created to be a helpmate. So with that, we aren't just a housewife. We're not just a stay-at-home mom. Those roles, those positions oftentimes carry a lot of weight, a lot of energy, a lot of burden. They can be very difficult. So it's still, we're equal. The weights, the the checks and balances, they're there. We complement each other. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I can also say that early on, I questioned, you know, why would, it, why would it be like this? You know, and questioning God, you know, isn't the right thing perhaps, you know, but in my human way of thinking, I'm like, this isn't, this isn't fair. This isn't right. But now life is showing me that we all have our spots where we complement each other and we help each other. We grow side by side 
in our roles. Yeah. I don't know how to really put that in get that in the words correctly, but and that's what I feel. And I think about, you know, right here, right now for me, you know, somebody say, Oh, well, you're just a stay-at-home mom. Or there and there are times that happen, even with, with friends, where they'll say something to me like, um, I have all the time in the world, like I'm not busy, like there's nothing going on. And I'm like, um, well, you got, hold on a second, <laughs> you know, because our days are full. Yeah. You know, um, and I'm not, I'm not complaining at all. I'm not boasting. I'm just saying that, you know, our positions, they comp- they're meant to complement each other so that we're building each other up. And it's not a competition. It's not like that. I like that. That's, that's the best quote uh, from this podcast yet, and maybe the best one from, from it when it's all said and done. It's not a competition. And, and that, that applies to so much, uh, whether you're talking about your life before Christ as a sinner, right? Uh, or now in Christ as a saint, as a wife, you know, as a mother, compared to as a husband, as a father, uh, just as members of the church. As citizens in our society, it's not a competition, uh, and that's that's um, that's very helpful. Good thing to remember. Um, of course, the topic is is extremely hot. It's been hot for a long time, but right now, in theological circles and in churches, there's a big debate on whether we should be egalitarian or complementarians. Um, and if if you pigeonhole me and force me to pick, I'm going to say complementarian which is what you just mentioned while ago, we compliment each other. But at the same time, I don't want to accept that label because I do believe that we are equal, for example, in worth, as you said, we are equal in value. We're equal at the foot of the cross. We're equal in Christ. We're equal in prayer. You know, and, and there's so many other ways that there's absolute equality across the board. Of course, there's different personalities, but that's not, that's not just a gender thing. You know, that's a human thing. And there's diff- different opportunities and different proficiencies and diff- different levels of education and intelligence. And the, I mean, the list goes on and on, you know, almost eternally of all the differences between two different people. Uh, and all people are not gifted, you know, equally. Uh, we're all gifted, but the gifts are not equivalent to one another. They're equivalent to the calling and opportunity that God gives to us. But um, it's just different. And, and, you know, somebody who's an egalitarian would say, yeah, you're just making excuses. But when it comes to this thing called complementarianism, and you and I were speaking before the podcast, it's interesting to me, you, you described your gifts as, uh, hey, I, I, I can give you a hug if you need one. I can be a shoulder that you can cry on. I can see that you're uh, struggling and I can care about that. I can be an ear that will listen. And you say, well, I believe God's gifted me with that empathy. And sometimes it's a burden. Sometimes it's a blessing. And I get that all the way but we were talking about how those are pastoral gifts, right? That's what, that's what a shepherd needs to do to the flock. And yet for the most part, I would have to say, I don't have that gift. If you ever see empathy in me, it's totally the Holy spirit, you know, overcoming my personality and my, and my uh, proficiencies and and my uh, aptitudes and, and my propensities. He's totally overcoming. And I've actually seen this, throughout my ministry, that there's a lot of men in ministry who are not very empathetic. You know, I look at at my relationship with my wife, both professionally or concerning my ministry and calling and in the home. You know, 
I, I want to wash the dishes and it's not a sacrifice. That's something I enjoy doing. And I'm not just putting on when I say that I truly do. And so I get upset if anybody else washes the dishes. I like doing it. You know, you, you call me a sissy. I don't care what you call me or what anybody calls me or what anybody thinks, you know, that there are things that I enjoy doing and it's kind of homemaking type things, but it allows me to think, you know, so here she has certain proficiencies that would make her a better pastor, but I have the office, you know, and I have the, the title and the calling, but I have to lean on her even to pastor the flock here at Grace Baptist Church. And I think that talking about, you know, the, the man complimenting the woman and the woman complimenting the man, I just can't see that there's any, any harm at all in God making it that way. And he never said, by the way, this is interesting to me. And again, I'm not being patriot. Pat- What's the word? I forgot the word now. No, I feel so bad. <laughs> patronizing. I'm not patronizing. Thank you. <laughs> In patronizing here. I'm being sincere. The Bible never says it's not good for women to be alone. It says it's not good for man to be alone. In other words, Adam was insufficient and he's not complete until the woman is, is added into the scene and scenario. And like you said, it's really not a matter of position, although there is a headship ish, issue in the Bible and there, there's a hierarchical issue, both in um, anthropology, the study of mankind and, and in theology, the study of the, of the Holy Trinity. But it's, it's not about that. It's just we're different, you know, and, uh, you know, women are pretty and men are not. At least that's the way it seems to be it's supposed to be that way. <laughs> These days it gets a little questionable sometimes. Um, but rather than, you know, our culture and society trying to give to women all the things that men have, and it also seems they're trying to give to men the things that women have. And why can't we just look at what God has given us in our roles as whatever gender we are? And, um, and with our personalities and embrace that. And, you know, Jesus is not jealous trying to climb over the father and, and be above the father in the Trinity. So it, it just makes sense that in, in, uh, in our human relationships, if we would just accept where God has put us uh, and embrace that, we would all be much better off. But having said all that, I still feel this great, consternation in my heart that that women are often overlooked in church ministry. And I'm guilty. I mean, here we are two years into the podcast, almost through two seasons. And other than my wife and daughters, and they are exceptional, obviously, I have some <laughs> have some bias there. As far as I know, you're the first woman on the podcast. And nobody said, hey, you're not having women. You know, most of our listeners, by the way, are men. Uh I know that because the, it's reported to me from our podcasting platform host. Uh, so it reports who listens. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you can have women's soccer and men's soccer and those kind of things. I'm not saying let's do away with genders. That's not what I'm saying. But women have obviously uh, stories to tell of God's grace. And God can, can use any, anybody, man or woman, to communicate his great truth. Um, it's... And so I'm guilty myself, you know, so I I just have to ask during your years in church, um, do you feel like you have been seen and understood and heard? Or would you say, honestly, I feel like we women are many times overlooked. Which one is it? Oh, goodness. Um, 
especially in the early years, not here, but when I was younger, I would definitely see it that way. I, I almost feel like they were viewed as less. Yeah. Of course, I, again, was not a Christian then. Um, so maybe my, I was looking through a different set of lenses at that point, but it definitely seemed that way. I really, I don't feel that way now. I really don't. Do I wonder if maybe subconsciously women feel that way? That could be. I don't think there's, I'm just trying to think and look at the, the full picture of like church today. And I don't think there's anything that's gone on or happened that makes women feel that way as far as the roles within the church. You mean currently? Currently, yes. But perhaps there are women who have been shaped previously mm. um, or have, who already have in their mind a different view themselves. So they stay back. Yeah. They remain, you know, in, in the back row, so to speak. That could be. I myself am probably guilty of that. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I don't like spotlight to begin with you know so that's not my nature but i tend to want to be the wallflower but that's probably Um, not a gender thing necessarily wouldn't you agree i mean there are men who also prefer to stay in the shadows true that's true i mean i guess it depends on whether you're an introvert or you know that comes into play a lot but i wonder if there are some women perhaps that have already been shaped yeah you know I absolutely agree. I was thinking about that as you, before you even got to it, how you, you were abused and then you were interacting with men who, who didn't respect you and didn't love you. And so your view of the world was so skewed and your view of love was so skewed. You thought, well, this is the way it is. We, I'm to be used and then they move on. And that's, I get what I can while I can. And you know, that's it. So that, obviously would affect your perspectives now, uh, even, you know, when you don't realize it, it, it may uh, push you to make certain decisions or to be quiet when you could speak or, or whatever else. Mm-hmm. And uh, like it or not, the Bible does say that the woman is the weaker vessel. Uh, and, and I think that's mostly just speaking of, you know, raw physical strength that the average man is stronger and larger than the average woman. I think that's the main point that, but, but as a result of that, women are usually the ones that are abused. Men are abused too at times, but normally it's the girls. Normally it's the women who end up being oppressed and pushed down and abused and used. So yeah, even if we have a culture here that shows the value to every individual, whatever their difference is, whether it's economic or or intellectual or gender or whatever else, you know, even if our culture here is is doing a, a an adequate job of it there's some background stories that we have to overcome and i think we we need to be intentional as a church when it comes to um getting the message across clearly we want to hear from you we want to hear your story we want you to participate again not to be patronizing and not just for some quota that that if i was a woman that would offend me you know, if I said, hey, Mandy, I want you on the podcast because we got to have more women on the podcast, you know, and you're like, 
I got more things to say than just I'm a woman. (laughs) So I think that would offend me if that was all there was to it. Um, But just recognizing, yes, there have been some barriers that have been erected that we have to intentionally push beyond while remaining absolutely biblical. You know, you mentioned 1 Timothy 2.11. That's tough. That's very tough. (laughs) Let women learn in silence with all subjection. You know, wow, that's, that's hard. Of course, there's context. You know, there was a cultural context. And there were other places where Paul did things and said things that seemed to point in a different direction. You know, with the deacon Phoebe, I don't know if you're familiar with her story, but, you know, with um, Priscilla and Aquila, uh, husband and wife team, sometimes it's Priscilla and Aquila, sometimes it's Aquila and Priscilla. They're even named in different orders, you know, and they both spoke to Apollos uh, in a, in a certain context, but, um, as a pastor, you know, I chose Christine. I, I hope I don't give her any trouble by saying this, but I chose Christine Wands uh, to be our scripture reader each morning, each Sunday morning, because she's the best reader in the church probably, but, or one of the best anyway, but also just to admit, because I was looking for, there's other reasons beyond this too, but I was looking for a place to put a woman in a more prominent role, you know, cause I was like, we got all men doing everything, men praying, men doing ushering, men doing, and it's like the women can do these things. There's nothing in the Bible that says a woman can. In fact, there's, there's even instruction in the Bible for how women are to adorn themselves when they pray in the church, you know? So clearly they were praying in the church, you know, out loud. Um, but I grew up in churches where it was literally, you know, First Timothy two eleven, all the time, every time, except for testimonies. And they did let women testify. Uh, I'm thankful that they did. But um, anyway, I just I feel um, a compassion and a desire to do better in making sure that um, ladies in the church, Christian ladies, um, are fully aware of the fact that they are seen and that they are understood as best as we men can understand. Uh, and they are heard. Um, and I want it to be real. I don't want it to just be a, you know, a facade or a face. Mm-hmm. I believe that God gives every one of the believers in his church spiritual gifts. So that's every man and every woman. Uh, do you believe that women are free, practically speaking, not theoretically speaking, but practically speaking, uh, not theologically speaking, Practically speaking, do you believe that women are free to serve and lead in in our church in areas where they are gifted? Yeah, I do. Um, there are many many positions that um, you know women fit into. As far as like the um, you know you, you have the ladies in the school, you have you know children's church, you have youth group. You know, there's there's so many different to me, different areas within the church where, you know, those gifts can be used, where they can fit, where they can grow, where they can help others to grow. Um, Again, complementing the whole circle of of, of things. Um, Just drawing a a total loss for words. But I think they are free to use their gifts in those ways. I don't see anything that really holds them back. That's yeah. good. And if you do, I hope you'll speak up. Okay. <laughs> uh, and here's part of the reason why we live in a culture that is screaming, as I said earlier, 
equality for women and women's rights. And feminism has been around for a long time. And of course, especially early feminism, <laughs> there were some good reasons for it. You know, women were definitely being um, pushed down unnecessarily and improperly. Of course, feminism has become something else uh, mm-hmm. in many ways. But we live in a culture that does see when there's an injustice, the culture sees it. And so if women are being oppressed or abused legitimately or illegitimately, and, I'm, and I mean, I don't mean that it, there's a legitimate way to abuse a woman. That's not what I mean. I mean, if, if they think you're supposed to do something and you're not, or they think you're supposed to do something and you are supposed to be doing it. That's what I mean by that. Uh, in either case, they see it. And if they disagree with us because the Bible says something, for example, the, as far as I can tell, the things that a, whim, a woman would be restricted from in the New Testament would be holding the office of pastor, senior pastor specifically, I think is, is the concept there, um, if you transfer it into our culture, and that a woman cannot teach or usurp authority over a man in the church when it comes to teaching theology and doctrine. Uh, so it doesn't mean she wouldn't be able to lead men in the choir or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, that's a very small limitation, right? Um, so, but if there are limitations beyond that, I think the world's going to see that and it's going to actually hamper our witness mm-hmm. because they see the injustice. And so they're like, well, you can't even get this basic thing right. And you want me to believe that you've got all this other stuff right. So it is very important that we not only get it right and that it be authentic sincere and real, but that it be evident and obvious. Not that we're trying, but that we're succeeding because the church should be ahead. You know, Christ was ahead in including women. He was not behind. He was ahead. And uh, it's interesting to me when all, when all the men fled at his uh, arrest, you know, through his trial and through his uh, trek up the Via Dolorosa and at the foot of the cross, the women were still there. Uh, that's very interesting to me. I know one thing that um, if I get my thoughts straight, bear with me. Um, You were talking a moment ago about, you know, like, you know, including the women as far as like, you know, having them share their testimonies and just, I don't know what the words were you used, but I feel like sometimes, I mean, the enemy doesn't want us to share our testimonies because, he has power when we're silent. Yeah. One thing, you know, when they think about their testimony, when they show a testimony, one is they're reaching other people. Other people are always, there's going to be somebody that's going to be able to connect to it that you can help, that you can help give them that strength or that encouragement um, to lift them up. Because that, whatever has gone on in their past, whatever they've struggled with, perhaps, it's holding them down. The enemy is going to use that against them the longer they're silent. You know, you mentioned, and this is a jump, but you mentioned about feminism. There was a time where that was needed, where women truly were not being handled properly, you know, and the enemy has turned it to be something a whole lot worse. So no matter what end you're dealing with, you've got to look at who's playing their card, mm-hmm. I guess. Being silent regarding your testimony or anything you've struggled with, your sins, anything is giving the enemy power. Yeah. I can look back and I, I would encourage anyone to look back, anybody that struggled with anything, to look back and ask yourself, where did you see God? 
because I can look back now and even through all that mess, he was there. Yeah. And even when I was going the wrong directions later in life, he was there and he was trying to talk to me, but I thought I had the answers. I thought that I could make myself happy, that I could fix it. And I couldn't. Yeah. Nothing I did was going to fix it. It might be temporary. I might feel better for a short time, but afterwards I'll lower than I was. Yeah. Or, and that goes with anything. It goes, whether it's alcohol, drugs, any kind of addiction, you know, you need to talk. You need to share with somebody. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be afraid of that. That's what the enemy is using against you. And if you look at the world today, it's the opposite thing that's happening. The good things that have taken place in years past are now being turned and used in a negative way. So to me, that's the biggest thing. You've got to look at who's playing the cards and go against that. Yeah. You know? Yep. The Bible says we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Uh, We can... We can act like we are, but we're not. We know the way Satan works, and we got to recognize that and make sure we fight against it when he's trying to mess things up. You know, I think of your testimony today and and the thoughts that you've shared, and I hope some of the young girls in our church will listen to this and avoid some pitfalls in their future. That'd be great. Um, and maybe some some young ladies who are kind of in the middle of some of the stuff you went through. Um, or maybe they're towards the tail end of it, hopefully, but they haven't seen the light yet. They haven't escaped from it yet. And they can hear your testimony and say, there's hope. I can. I don't have to live this way. I don't have to endure this abuse. I don't have to carry this burden. Amen to that. God loves me and he can use me. Um, so be confident uh, that the Spirit is going to take this and use it, you know, the way podcasts work, they're recorded and they're put out there and they just sit there, you know, and five people listen to it on day one and one person on day three and seven people on day 10. And then a year later, 10 people listen to it. And that's the way the podcast system works. Uh, so somebody may listen to a podcast a year from now and say, boy, that was a real blessing. I'm going to go back and listen to some old ones. And this one will be there. And the spirit can use this in the lives of others. And, uh, we have a, I'm pretty sure it's a, it's a, a number of preachers who listen because a lot of my guests have been preachers. Um, and so hopefully, you know, the preachers who are listening, who struggle like me against the flesh uh, and our propensity for uh, protecting the patriarchy. <laughs> and I'm not opposed to patri- uh, a patriarchal system. I think, you know, God presented himself in the masculine for a reason. So I'm not opposed to that reality. Our culture certainly is. But uh, we want to make sure we don't use some opportunity that God has given us as men and as ministers to oppress anyone for any reason. You know, we want to lift everybody up as far as we possibly can, even above ourselves. That's, that's a concept that I don't, I don't think we, uh, we think about often enough. I can lift someone up from below me if they're oppressed. I can lift them up. I can lift them up to where I am. I can actually lift them up above where I am. I mean, just think about that in real life. I can lift people way above where I can go. 
And um, so hopefully some pastors will hear this and evaluate, you know, how am I treating the women in this church? You know, am I, am I being submissive to the Holy Spirit in a way that maximizes the opportunities for women to use whatever gifts God has given them? And, uh, you know, is, is it a, a full and healthy uh, spiritual circle that I'm leading here? So hopefully God will use this in a lot of different ways. I hope so. Thank you, Mandy, for spending some time with me today. May God bless you and your family abundantly. To all of you out there listening on the various podcast platforms, be sure to share this podcast with others. Let others know about it and listen to other episodes if you were blessed by this one. Like, share, subscribe, comment, review, etc. We would love to have feedback. You can send me an email at pastorbigred at aol.com. And I'd love to hear from you. God bless you all and hope you'll listen again next time.